So hello everybody and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is... Ian Joseph. As always you can find us on social media. So on Facebook it's at Folk on Falcons and you'll see our picture. On Twitter again at Folk on Falcons and if you'd like to send us a direct email it's folkonfalcons at mail.com. Brilliant. So um, this week we're going to talk about the performance uh, the weekend against Bristol. We'll uh, look forward to Gloucester next week. We'll have a quick chat about Barry and his bon voyage and uh, a roundup of the rest of the, the rugby action from the weekend. Um, so first things first, we started off against Bristol very promisingly and then I think that they realised after half an hour that they were actually the best team in the country and then showed us quite how good they are for the next 15 minutes or so. Start the second half, we had a bit of a, a good a good spell, but didn't get much from it. Then Bristol once again reminded us why they're the best team in the country. And then we finished off with the final flourish, but it was a case of taking our foot off the gas or Bristol stepping up the gears, one of the two. And basically, they're, they're just better than us. And it was quite clear that that was the case. Yeah, I mean, for the first 50 minutes or so, we were the better team. Um, they had a very slow start and we took advantage of that. But then I think it was in that period as well, but we went down to the 14 men, which we're getting used to now. But actually, we maybe because we're so used to it, uh, we actually played really well, the 14 men. Of course, we got Mickey Young's clever sort of reading of the game, intercept try, cut metres out, puts a really good position. And, you know, if you're going to have a chance beating Bristol, you need to have a good start. And not just in terms of how you play, but on points on the board as well. It looked pretty good. Looked like it could be a real sort of entertaining game. Um, but then, yeah, uh, Bristol sort of got got themselves into gear a bit, didn't they? And it was really their sort of support play and offloads um, where they we just couldn't cope with it. Like the tempo they played was absolutely sort of superb. Um, and you could tell we were sort of struggling to kind of get across the pitch and, and really do deal with it. Um, and as you say, you know, they just kind of showed their quality in that sort of period. And I mean, look, let's face it, quite frankly, they're several levels ahead of us in every way. Um, and, you know, when you play these teams, you give it as good as you can and you can only kind of look at your, you can't control how the other team play really, because no matter how good your game management is, they're going to come good at some point. Even if you have a really good first half chance, they'll come up fighting second half. Um, it's all about sort of your own team performance. And quite frankly, I thought they were pretty decent. Um, there were one or two instances where they had some really sort of frustrating, unforced errors, which, you know, were really unavoidable, you know, the odd knock-on or whatever, in decent positions, which sort of if we were going to get back in the game, we had to take those chances. But I thought the penalty count was pretty good, considering the opposition. Um, I don't think we could have a lot to complain, really. I think performance did have a lot of promise with it. And I think it could be pretty good to get that sort of performance in game under our belts going into our game away to Gloucester next week, which is eminently winnable. Yeah, if we look at the specifics of the game itself, um starts off with uh, the Brockleback Simon. He thought, what on earth is he doing that for? What an idiot. But at least he did, he did it properly and Sheedy went off. It's not like he was a stupid penalty offence and got Simmon and the guy was fine. So I guess in certain respects, he kind of didn't justify his actions, but at least he did it good and proper. And he got 10 minutes off, but they lost the, their start and fly off. So I guess, is it a, a trade-off you want to make? But um, strangely, we actually went 10-0 up in that period. Mickey Young with his reading of the game. Uh, there's quite a few times early on that Bristol tried to throw it about. And I think he just realised what they were going to be doing. So he used a few of his years of experience and th- said, thank you very much. And fortunately, he didn't have to run too far in to put the ball down because I know he's not got the pace he perhaps once did. Throughout the whole game, I think our defence was very much how it was at the start of the season. We had the open side winger flying up and cutting off the passes out wide. 
And I think that that was a conscious decision because we knew they were so powerful out wide. We just had to stop the ball getting there. Obviously, that left us exposed a couple of times when they did get it out. But um, I thought on, on the whole, we actually played very well. And when you've got Piotr, Malins and whoever else running at you the way they were, there's very few defenders in the country that are going to be able to nullify them for for 80 minutes. I do feel that once they got in behind us, it was very much a case of them either scoring or butchering a try scoring opportunity. And we kind of got let off a couple of times. They they dropped the seemingly undroppable or, or whatnot. But um, yeah, I feel that at half time to still be within touching distance and start having half to have that spell of pressure where we thought, well, we might get back in this. I thought it was actually quite encouraging. Yeah, um, I think... Well, probably it's easy to say this, but the crucial part of the game was really, I think, their third try just for half time. Um, big comment of the team, a couple of missed tackles sort of left them in. Um, again, during that spell, about 15 minutes spell towards the end of half, where they sort of really ramped it up and ran in a few tries. Um, if I think if we managed to keep it, not concede that third try for half time, I think the game could have maybe been a bit more encouraging, slightly different going to the second half, because I think it was going to be a very tall order to get back into the game at half time with the score as it was. Um, so I think if maybe they just managed to hold out a little bit, perhaps we could have been in it for a bit longer. But, you know, I think sometimes you just got to hold your hands up in terms of the quality you play against. And I don't think we sort of shamed ourselves in any way. Um, the scoreline perhaps sort of reflects it, maybe, but also at the same time, it's a little harsh because it shows, I think, long periods of, of that game, not only were we sort of very much in the game, but also, you know, we were leading for part of it and we're actually the better team. So, you know, it's one we sort of learn from and, you know, you can, you can only learn from when you play these really, really good teams and sort of take it on to next games, really. How much of a difference do you feel that having a Toby Flood back made? Because I felt at times, even when we were under pressure and attack, we were actually doing some quite... It was almost a novelty some of the times we were running with with the ball and actually looking a bit more incisive than we have in the past. And is that just a case of the experience of flood at fly half making the difference? I mean, possibly. I, I mean, I've been guilty as I've criticised him before saying, well, I'm not actually really sure ball in hand in play, like what he actually does. Does he really add anything? Especially when he had that injury, you know, it didn't look like he wanted to go to contact. I wasn't quite sure sort of what really what he was doing and why would you start him but I think it's sort of what he does off the ball if you can call it that which I suppose you know we have missed I mean we commented that often in attack we've looked a bit sort of aimless um, and I think obviously he can maybe go some way towards rectifying it it was nice for him to actually start a game and get a good well I think he played almost a whole game didn't he um to get all those minutes in uh, and a come back and against, again, also against boys that are a really good team as well. Um, so I think it was encouraging to see him back. And yeah, I think he does pull the strings a bit in the way that I suppose other fly-offs don't really. So yeah, it was nice to see him. And I suppose you probably would have him starting going forward, I, I guess, I mean, towards the end of the season. Obviously the centres were very different. We had Lukok and um, Wakoki Koki, but uh, I think that Lukok's proved himself to be a right find this year. Um, when you think you've not got Burrell, Flood, Orlando playing in the centres and you can replace him with Lukecock, he, he's certainly not showing any, any signs of playing beyond his level because he, he looks quite comfortable. And then uh, Koki's still obviously learning, but once again, he's holding his own, which is encouraging. Um, I also find it quite encouraging that Cooper Vuna on the wing. Um, we haven't been his biggest uh, singers of praise this season thus far in the few times he has played, but I think that he certainly did himself um, justice at the weekend. And then getting uh, old Rodney back at prop for the last uh, was it the last twenty minutes that you came on, 
once again, didn't do himself a disservice either. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those. I didn't want to make a point about a couple of those players, certainly. I mean, with, with Lukop, we both said after his first couple of appearances, you know, this one seems to be like a gamble that hasn't really paid off. He just seemed to be out of his depth. But he's obviously, with more game time and perhaps just, you know, more time with the squad and with the team, has sort of managed to just sort of get himself together and... He looks really, really solid. Um, I still don't think necessarily there's anything spectacular, but sometimes you don't need to. Um, he does look very solid. He makes ground. He, I don't think he's really... I think he knocked on the ball once or something, but I think he, he's been pretty much faultless for the past couple of games now. And, you know, when you bring in a player up from the championship, we talked about how it looked like Gamble hasn't paid off, but it, it looks like, you know, it could be coming the other way and it could be a really good solid, at the very least, a really good solid addition to the squad. But it's nice to see that we do have that option now in centre of, of Lukov just kind of slipping in there when you don't have a Landon Burrell. And that, quite frankly, it doesn't make it a huge amount of difference. And I think with Koki Koki as well, um, he, as the season has gone on, has really sort of stepped up as well. I mean, he's been a really, really good consistent performer the past couple of games. He's getting tries. Doesn't look out of place in defence particularly. Um, I think with ball in hand, again, he seems pretty solid. Looks Can look a threat. Is good with ball in hand, making yards. And also, yeah, as you mentioned, with Runa, um, perfectly good against Bristol. And you can't really ask for much more from a player, really, especially as he hasn't had a long game time. I was personally surprised to see him start, but then I was thinking, well, actually... Who would have Radwan and Carreras? Who who else do we have? And why not give them a go? But maybe his experience is coming to the full there and he put a really good performance. And finally, as you say, with Rodney Ayew, nice to have a have a big lad option in the front row coming back and hopefully you'll get a few more game time if he starts, build a bit of fitness and game time towards the end of the season and one for next season, I think. Yeah, and I also think that Penny at fullback showed some uh, touches of almost brilliance. He didn't quite manage to do it. But um, as the season's gone on, I think he's developing into a really handy fullback. Earlier on in the year, we mentioned he was obviously a bit inexperienced in that position, but um, he now he's fielding the ball reasonably well, and he's not afraid to run it back at the opponents. And it looks like um, maybe another year or two of uh, fullback experience under his belt, then defensively they've sorted out everything, and going forward, hopefully he just managed to kick on and. I don't know whether he's going to find another half yard of pace from somewhere or whether he'll become a bit more clever in who he targets to run at, but he certainly looks like he's just about to start being a very good player. Yeah, so Brown better watch out. We don't even get a start. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, it's interesting with Penny, though, because it's one that's had come out of nowhere because if, if you weren't signing Brown, you would almost just have a nailed on going forward as you start like, starting fullback, rather. But, you know, obviously, Brown coming in, uh, you know, what do you do? I mean, can you play both of them? Or do, do you sort of, maybe with Brown's age, do you, do you really rotate them? Is it going to be an interesting, I guess, a really sort of good dilemma for Richards to have in the coming season? I get the impression that Penny's going to be very much a, a very useful utility back over the coming years if Brown does start next season. Because I know he's played centre quite a bit in the past. I, I can see him playing on the wing quite comfortably as well. So, handy person to have in the squad. Looking forward to next week against Gloucester. Um, hopefully some of the injuries have returned. But um, I feel like if we play the way we played against Bristol, we should be able to come away with something. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, it's a very winnable game. Um, many ways, it's sort of too close to call. And it's easy to say this, but it just kind of depends on which sort of team turns up on the day in terms of if we keep our discipline as we did. I think that's an important thing. If we keep our discipline as we did against Bristol, keep the Belgian count down, then we've got a perfectly reasonable chance of coming away with away from there with a win. Um, obviously, we know what Gloucester are all about. I think their position at the table perhaps doesn't necessarily reflect the threat they pose. But um, we beat them at home. Um, they're, in some ways, I guess, 
the table doesn't lie. I mean, we're both in that sort of similar position. And on the sort of personnel we, we have as well, I think if we do get a couple of players back, and I think Bradwine actually has been quite a miss because he, he's a real threat wide. I think he does terrify defences. And I think when teams know Radwine isn't there, maybe that kind of gives a bit of confidence to the defence and knows that in terms of their positioning, when we are in attack, they know they don't necessarily have to be so terrified of what's coming up down that wing. So I don't know if he'll be back or not. But yeah, it's certainly winnable. And it should be a really sort of interesting contest. Yeah, I was having a look um, the other week and the club haven't actually released a statement on Radwan and what happened and what his expected return date is. Um, it's quite concerning in a way. Um, wondering whether there's something a bit more serious or perhaps he might need an operation he's waiting for. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, at the time we were worried about sort of... Uh, well, I remember I was saying, oh, well, at least he's walking off or whatever. You know, maybe that's a good sign. But you were saying, well, actually, that <laughs> it may not be as good as it looks. It could be because obviously you said you've had similar ligament issues and actually, um, you know... It, in first appearances, it may not be as bad as it first seems. And I hope, well, I, I rather, I don't hope that you're right um, and that it, has, it was actually a lot more serious than it first appeared. But I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, maybe he's, he's sort of 50 50. And because there's no real pressure on us finishing anywhere in the league this season, they're just not risking him. Because obviously, if he agitates it, that could be really sort of career ruining. And they just want to give him as much time as he needs, which is fair enough, I suppose. But you're right. I mean, there's been sort of silence from the club and we're not really sure what's going on with him, really. I guess it's one of the ones where this season, why would you risk it? Doesn't It's not worth it this year. Um, and I, I think um, they haven't released a statement on Borelli either, but it was a funny one because he played in the reserves match against Sale and then I think he played a full 80 minutes then and he hasn't shown up for the last two weeks of the first team. So I'm not sure whether... He was playing on an injury that wasn't quite right or whether he's aggravated something or whether there's maybe something behind the scenes, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess with Burrell, it's like one of these players you sign at a particular age who, you know, you kind of have to suppose in many ways kind of have the right expectation as to you know how much they can play and what they can provide. Um, I guess with Burrell, he's a player who can maybe perform at a high level in spurts and maybe, you know, Nick Nichols or other injuries sort of holding back for... A similar amount of time. Um, obviously, he's had a, many ways of a stop-start season. I mean, he's never played badly in the game. I've always praised him as a, one of our most consistent performers, but he hasn't sort of consistently turned out every week. And I guess when we do sign that sort of player, then that sort of, that's the risk. That is the risk that comes with it. And I suppose the flip side is that it does give people like Lukaku the opportunity to sort of play when otherwise maybe they wouldn't have because. You would have just had Burrell and Lando every week if that's if you're picking probably on paper you your strongest centres. Um, one player that's not going to be returning, our friend Mr. Barry from the second row. He's gone from second row in England to second tier in France, but for very obvious reasons, I think. And that's because the club he's gone to, Vans, are currently in a tussle to pick the top spot of the French um, second tier. And it looks like they're going to be promoted to the French Premiership next season, or League One as it's called. So it's a very understandable move for him at his stage of his career to, to want to have that rugby at the highest level. So it's a shame that he's gone, but very understandable. And also with um, Fuser and Peterson playing the way they are, he's not been starting. So you, you do very much understand the motivation for the move. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's uh, really, it's a transfer that never really sort of worked out, I guess. He was brought in to give a bit of backbone to the promotion push, wasn't he, in the second row? Um, I think just really a case of form of the players and injuries. He just hasn't really probably got the game time the club and he probably would have fought. I mean, it's probably no one's fault, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, all we can do is, I guess, just sort of wish him good luck with the move. Um, this does mean that Salmon has returned from his loan spell at Saracens. Um, whether we'll see him this season in any form, I don't know. But obviously, he's returned back back to the squad and that loan's being recalled. Second row is also, we've got um, 
Robinson can shift across there. We're not short on staff, if that's uh, potentially a concern. So our match at the weekend, um, it's on BT Sport. Ian knows the... Yeah, well, I mean, you say that. I don't know which BT Sport it is off the top of my head, but it's a three o'clock kickoff uh, on the Saturday. And it's not being spoiled by funerals this week, is it? So No funerals, no two matches, nothing. So you can just sit down and watch, watch Falcons in as much peace as you can kind of get, I suppose. And then there's another one that might catch your eye in the fixer schedule. It's not in the Premiership, but it's the Championship. The current leaders and unbeaten leaders, Ealing, are going to hopefully make it a hat-trick of wins against Saracens in the 2021. Yeah, so um, it's Saracens who are at home in that game against Ealing, and it's at three o'clock on the Sunday. So if you've got a, you know, not doing anything else on spec at the minute, so it'd be worth keeping a track in that. As it stands, Ealing are top of the league, Saracens are third, and Ealing are 10 points clear. Now, Saracens do have a game in hand, but if Ealing win this game, obviously that will be a minimum of 14 to 10 to 15, 14 to 15 points behind Ealing. So even if Saracens do win their game in hand, they'll obviously be, you know, nine, 10 points behind. Um, so it's absolutely crucial. Well, obviously it's the game of the league, really. You would have thought whoever wins this game could go a very long way to winning the league. I mean, even if Saracens do win that, they're still going to be, you know, a good four or five points behind you with, with the game in hand. So it's an absolute must win for Saracens. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really interesting one, though. I don't know if it's on TV or or any sort of streaming platform or anything else, but it's definitely worth keeping your eye out on that one because that's going to be a really, really interesting game. Yeah, I think it is on TV. I think it's on... Um... One of the, I think it's on Sky or BT Sport, so I think we can tune into it. It's also worth noting that you say it's to win the league, but obviously they've got this final at the end of the season for the, I think the first and second place going to a final. So um, it's kind of a, an insurance policy for Saracens if it all does go wrong and they end up finishing second. They are putting a lot of points on teams at the minute. Um, they've got all the England internationals back now and they're, they're only winning 50 points to 15 most weeks. I guess in some ways it's not far off. A lot of our results. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think you would expect both Ealing and Saracens to win every other league game this season. And it's, yeah, I mean, there's only times they make drop points against each other, really. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting one to look out for. I'm actually sort of, apart from our game, that's the one I'm most excited for, actually, um, in this weekend's fixtures, really. So if we just look at the other results from last weekend in the Premiership. On Friday night, uh, Northampton absolutely thrashed London Irish 44-26. On Saturday, Exeter, back to winning ways, they they won 43-13 against Wasps. Sale beat Gloucester 22-20, I mean 25-22. Harlequins won 50 points to 26. And we lost, obviously, 70 points to 34 home to Bristol. Then on Sunday, Bath pipped Leicester by a point. Uh, that was 21-20. If we look at the league table, um, initially it's all as it seems. Bristol are in the lead with 66, followed by Exeter on 54. Sale and Harlequins both have 50. Northampton have 46. London Irish have 41. Bath have 40. Leicester have 38. Wasps have 31. We've got 30. Gloucester have 26. And Worcester have 19. But if we look at Sale's fixtures running into the end of the season, they've got to play. Last three games are against Bristol, Harlequins, and then Exeter. The form Northampton are currently in, um, they're in, they're running. The only one that they've got that's actually a, a difficult game, or he, he says a difficult game, and the only one that they've got that could potentially cause a problem is their penultimate game, which is uh, they've got it at home against Exeter. So it may well be that by that point in the season, Exeter are already 
guaranteed their playoff spot. Northampton are able to turn over Exeter and then they haven't got any other top four clubs to play against. And it wouldn't surprise me if Northampton end up finishing in fourth. So I, I can see the way Sale are playing at the minute. They're not, the, way, the games they're winning, they're only just winning. They're not They're not thrashing. And I can, the last, the last three games, I can easily see them losing one, two or potentially even three of them. So um, I think that's one to watch. I don't think they're as secure as everyone assumed they would be earlier on in the season. Yeah, I mean, those third and fourth places, are, they're really up for grabs in select three or four teams, um, any of them, as long as they string a few results together, could sneak in there. I mean, that, that would really go down. I mean, the top two is decided, obviously, um, but those third and fourth positions, you could looking towards pretty much last game of the season for the decider for that. So, I mean, if you're looking for excitement in the league, really, I mean, that that's really where it is. And I think for almost the entirety of the season, that's really kind of been where the excitement has been, hasn't it, in terms of who's going to sneak into those third and fourth positions. Yeah, uh, I mean... It, in terms of sort of for us, I think it'd be that not, not only is it obviously nice if we do win at the weekend because it wins a win, but it gets us up the table because I mean, potentially we could leap for a wasp. So it'd be nice to sort of get back to looking up the table, maybe than sort of looking over our shoulders every week now. So I mean, that that's a bit of a carrot as well to go for just to kind of get us further up the league. And I think this weekend is a real opportunity to, for us to um, to do that. Eleven points behind the top six is a bit of a. A bit of a stretch, I think. I think we're all kind of consigned to playing the Challenge Cup, not the Champions Cup next year. But um, kind of what we expected coming into the season. So I guess we can't be too miserable about it. Thanks for listening this week. A bit shorter than it has been in the past. That's all from me. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.